for joining us for part two of From the Suggestion Box with Tim Suda, meeting volunteers where they are. The second half of the conversation continues with more golden nuggets. Enjoy. Okay. So working with American Red Cross is okay after I'm still just like I'm still hanging on to that whole IT transition because that's just <laughs> that's phenomenal um so but coming out of IT into Red Cross was this your first volunteer engagement um leadership role okay okay so yeah, that, that, that's correct okay I, so, I have done some work in volunteering um I I was a volunteer firefighter for a number of years and a training officer with the fire service I um, volunteered with other fantastic organizations, but, um, and then I actually became a Red Cross volunteer and realized, you know, wait, this is what I want to do with my life. And had the oppor an opportunity came up, uh, I went for it. Uh, I had a, a really great mentor, Virginia Mewborn, who saw a lot in me and gave me an opportunity. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So Woo! you hit my happy place, mentor. Mentor, mentor. So we're going to talk about that in a minute because anybody who watches this knows that I'm always talking about it. And I believe a thousand percent in it because it is so crucial and vital in so many other things. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. When, what would you say, because you have volunteers spread all across the state, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of that? And I say that in the context from which the question is coming from, is that in a smaller organization, all your volunteers are in one place and you know that you're able to access them a particular way, or even if you have gatherings, everybody comes to the gathering, et cetera. In, in terms of things like even volunteer appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. in this, and everybody in the same organization, you know they're all getting the same thing and you can give them their attention and et cetera, et cetera. When your volunteers are spread all across the state, um, what do you think are challenges that you have um, overcome and how that maybe organizations with volunteers all in one place um, don't necessarily have to struggle with? Well, I think, I think the biggest challenge, especially when uh, our workforce is geographically spread out is there's not enough time. I would love to have a conversation with every single one of our thousand plus volunteers every day. I would love to check in on them regularly. I'd love to talk to them. You know, I really like to get to know our workforce, um, but there's just, there's not enough minutes in, in the day, week, month, year to do that. Um, and so we, we have to maximize the use of our time and, and leverage again, that leadership structure that we have to you know, engage. And if there are things that need to come up the chain that they do, and if there, you know, if there are mission moments, I love mission moments. If there are mission moments where a volunteer does something awesome, we love for that to, to come up so that, you know, A, we know, but B, we can, we can feature that and, and tell that story and celebrate that. Um, but we, you, you have to get creative, you know, when, when you only have a limited number of time in the day and, volunteers across a large area. Um, I would say that the virtual world has definitely helped. 
Um, so instead of only doing training in person, we can do some hybrid training where some attendees may be in person, some may be virtual or even fully virtual training. Um, and that helps, you know, it keeps people from having to drive hours and hours to get to a class yeah. if they want to. Uh, same with recognition. We've done virtual recognition events. We got really good at it due to COVID. Um, we even, for, for one event, we, we brought a, uh, a magician on who did their entire act around volunteering. Love and, it. um, it, you know, told the magicians at their core, our storytellers, you know, with tricks and just told such a fantastic story that just, it was, it was capulating. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, using the virtual elements definitely helps, but knowing how your workforce wants to stay in contact. Some people, they, they only you know, need to hear from you when they need something or when you need something. Uh, some people wanna check in every day, every week. Uh, some people want to hear via phone, some text, some in person. Um, I find that most of my volunteers really like it when I take the time to write a personal note and send it to them, especially if it's in my own atrocious handwriting. handwriting. <laughs> um, but it's still, it's the, it's the personal connection um, and, it's, and it's the time and energy that was put into that. And so if you know, if you really get to understand over time, the needs from a communication perspective of your volunteer workforce, then you can use that to, to be a force multiplier. Um, you know, I can send an email out to a thousand people. That's easy and quick. But I also know the reality is I can send an email out to a thousand people. I'm probably going to have to call at least 20 and I'm probably going to text another 20, but I know that. And so yeah. that way I can focus my time. You know, I can, if I can hit the other 900 via one email, okay, that takes 15 minutes. And so instead of trying to call, you know, as many people as possible, I know who, who my, my key individuals are. I know who needs it um, in a different format. And, um, and I think, you know, that that's it's necessity for for you know an organization like ours we have volunteers literally everywhere because we respond to disasters literally everywhere um but i think it's also something that even smaller organizations can use you know i, I think it's someone that anyone can use volunteer or not that you know identifying creative ways to manage that time and to maximize that time you know um is important you know in in the COVID years, we hear a lot of, you know, there's memes around, um, oh, that meeting could have been an email, right? That, yeah. That's one of my favorite <laughs> ones. And, you know, I know a lot of people feel that. I know I've spent a lot of time on Zoom and Teams in the past couple of years. Um, we, we feel that, we all feel that from time to time. Um, but it's, it, it's, you have to take that thought process to the next level when you're with volunteers, because, they have competing priorities. You know, yes. if they're retired, they have family, they have travel. If they're working, they have a job, you know, they have other things that they're working towards. Um, and so making that conscious, you know, decision and making, uh, determining what's going to be your best return on investment and how to really connect all those people. Are there times when you need a meeting or are there times where it could be an email or a phone call or, you know, an update, um, you know, even things like recording personal videos and sending it to a team has started becoming, you know, a, just another thing that we can do. But that cre it's the creativity and, the, and using your time is the key. 
look at that that it just kicking in like love it i love it i love it i love it i love that idea of like doing a recorded video and sending it i like that um and i love exactly what you said in terms of meeting people where they are and understanding how they communicate because that is so important and not just leading volunteers but like you said in any in relationship because it's relationship management and um I just believe it's so important meeting people where they are. And that comes through relationship. And sometimes it just comes through the trial and error of it all. Like there's no magic, ah, magic. There's no like magic formula to that. Um, It's just a matter of gaining that experience. And P.S. Speaking of magic, we might need you to drop the communication, uh, the contact information for that magician, (laughs) because that's something we might need in the future so um okay i have some other things okay you know what i know let's talk about your mentor why was this person um strategic how did you come across this person did they seek you out no you you earlier you said she saw something in you tell me what this mentorship relationship looked like, how it came about, and how integral it was to where you are today. Um, yeah, so I, I, I can speak about my uh, first um, Red Cross employee mentor, um, but I, before I really get into the specifics of that, um, I would say that I take every opportunity for anyone to be a mentor. Uh, what can I learn from any person that I have a relationship with, any person that I work with? So um, I, I believe that I've had thousands of informal mentors and, you know, but then I've had, you know, specific formal, more, you know, um, strategic mentors as well. Uh, the, the individual who really helped me make the transition from being in IT, from being a volunteer into coming into the volunteer engagement field um, Virginia Mewborn, she, she's just an amazing individual. Um, she uh, has been with the Red Cross for a long time. Um, she worked through some, some very traumatic events. So uh, she was uh, at September 11th when that happened. She worked in New York with the Red Cross. Um, so she was there. Um, she's been deployed to disasters all across the United States, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, um, and she has a leadership style that really focuses on um, being people driven, whether it's client driven, workforce driven, all of the above. So what, what do our clients need to start on their path to recovery? What do our workforce need? Workforce, mostly, comp- you know, over 90% of our workforce in the Red Cross is volunteer. So mostly volunteer workforce, what do they need to be able to meet the mission? What do they need to feel fulfilled? Um, and that perspective is, is, you know, really one of the most important things uh, that I, I ever gained from her. Um, and really being able to um, take that and, and run with it and grow with it and um, prove it you know, to, to see that if you give people, people, doesn't matter, client, volunteer, doesn't matter what relationship, but if you give people what they need, they, they do so much with it. And, um, you know, 
sometimes it's tangible things. Sometimes, you know, if you, if you had a tree fall on your roof, you might need a tarp on your roof. If you um, are delivering supplies, you might need a truck to deliver supplies. If you are um, leaving your home for the first time ever to deploy to a disaster in a city you've never been to, you may need someone to talk to. You may need some tips on, you know, how to handle it. If it's your first time flying in an airplane, you may need someone to remind you it's the safest form of travel. Um, so the needs differ, uh, but being people focused is really important. And the other big thing that I learned from Virginia and really is really big in the Red Cross is the concept of um, the swarm principles of leadership, which came out of the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, a lot of research was done on how organizations came together, how volunteers came together, how all of the helpers could work together to help. And um, the, the five swarm principles of leadership are just really, um, they really help ensure that you stay where you should be. So probably the most important principle of them for me is staying in your own lane while helping others in their lane. So it's really easy to, you know, want to, I can do this, I can do this, I can do that, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you have a role, you have a focus, you have a responsibility. Um, and so, you know, if you see that someone's about to run into a wall, you should warn them, you know. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily your responsibility to tear down the wall. Um, because if you're spending the time in their lane, then who's, who's in yours? Who's handling your responsibility? So, um, you know, we really focus a lot on, on helping other people grow. And with that comes the, the idea that, you know, we can succeed as a team. If we're all building each other up and bringing each other along and supporting each other, um, it's, it's that people-driven world again, uh, then we can all succeed. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if there's a mistake, if there, if, you know, there's a failure, if we're strong as a team and we're all focusing on our own, you know, our own lanes while supporting others in theirs, then we can overcome that as a team. And that's just as much of a win as anything else. Yeah, it reminds um, me of one of my favorite songs. Um, and it says like, if we fall, we'll fall together, but when we rise, we will rise together. So that just kind of totally reminds me of that. Absolutely. Um, okay. So those principles that you were talking about, is that in a book or is that like, where, where does one find these principles that, of which you speak? Yeah. So they're in a number of different places. Um, and it, basically, it's sworn principles of leadership. And it's um, like S W A R M. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. So I want to make sure um, and put those in the program notes so that people can um, look those up. Yeah. Yeah, and so it came out of it came out of Harvard. Um, so that that'll probably help. It came out of Harvard. Um, and the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll send you a link to the website on it. Um, but it really, it, it came out of that Boston Marathon bombing where um, the researchers and, and the people studying it, um, there was no one agency in charge of that. Like, you know, you, you usually, especially when you watch TV and, and cop dramas or things like that, you know, <laughs> with jurisdiction, who's got this, who's got this? Yeah. There, you know, there were so many needs at that time. You, you had, you know, some, you, you needed law enforcement because there was an active 
situation. You needed medical personnel. You needed people to provide food and water. You needed somewhere for families to go um, as they're looking for their loved ones. You needed, yeah. you know, hospitals were, were, you know, needed majorly. And what was observed is that, you know, with, there was not one coordinating entity, but there were all these entities working together to coordinate. Mm. And um, it really just bore out some, some really great, you know, ideas and leadership and, uh, and, you know, there's some, it, it just allows for a lot of strength. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's been something that's served us well. I love that. Okay. So speaking of leadership, the last thing that I'm going to ask, what are three books that you recommend? And if you don't have three, it's okay. But what are three books on leadership that have really influenced you in your, in your work? That's a tough question. (laughs) Um, I, uh, there's just, there's so many good ones out there. Um, Honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an answer that I think might be a cop out. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) just gonna be honest and transparent. Okay. I think any book about leadership or that even fiction books that, you know, tell stories, you can learn from leaders in those books. It's, I I think for me, it's less about a specific book and more about the mindset you go into it with. Mm -hmm. If you read a book and you, and you think to yourself as you're reading it, um, what are the qualities of this leader? What, you know, what is this person talking about? Um, you know, there, there's just, there's so many great perspectives and um, I, I couldn't narrow it down to even probably 10 books because I've just, you know, you can learn a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and it builds and it builds. And then, you know, you end up with, with, you know, some, some great skill sets and the, the trap that you have to avoid when, um, and just try to identify one or two or three books is some people get really excited and focus all of their energy on that one style. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really believe that it takes, you know, a, a bunch of different, um, a different styles and different and, and information and experiences to really shape a, uh, a good leader um, and, and really, you know, make that work so okay um so the book that that was probably the most interesting um that a leader one of our leaders had had all of us read was called lions tigers and bears oh my um and 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 the great thing is is it was you know it was a short book so oh i love those it didn't take a whole lot of time to be able to um you know, read it. It wasn't, you know, like a, you know, you could read it in a two hour sitting if you're a speed reader. Um, but the, the book's by Art Jackson and it really focuses on um, diversity and inclusion. And, and in and of itself, there's, um, there's a lot of more information than just this one book. Uh, but it, it just, it, it helps you to start see people as, people 
And when, you know, when you start talking about diversity inclusion, um, especially, you know, with diversity initiatives, it's really easy to focus on diversity things that we can see. But true right. diversity, true diversity comes, in my opinion, and in my experience, is diversity of thought, diversity mm. of experience, diversity mm -hmm. of knowledge, diversity mm -hmm. of background. Um, but, it, and includes, you know, the things we can see, diversity right. of gender, diversity of race, diversity of religion. Um, but to have a truly diverse team workforce, to have, you know, a truly inclusive and equitable approach, you have to consider all aspects of diversity um, and consider all backgrounds and, and what can we do to uh, really, you know, continue that and make that stronger. And um, that book was, you know, a really short, easy way to start that conversation, which led to me doing, you know, attending more you know, presentations and, and reading more. And, you know, it was just, it was a good kickoff. Okay. Okay. So we are running out of time, but this question just like popped into my head and now it's burning. So I have to ask it. Um, you did, you talk a lot about trainings and um, providing those opportunities for the volunteers, which is also another way that helps them feel better about what they're doing, which goes back to empowering them, those types of things. Um, for somebody who might be newer to volunteer engagement or just flat out doesn't like to talk to people, um, you know, talk in front of crowds, having those conversations, what kind of tips can you leave for them um, regarding training? Uh, so the, the biggest one is take training. Take as much training as you can that's relevant to your role, that's relevant to your experience, and even stuff that's not necessarily relevant um, may still have nuggets of information. I find that that I, I can learn just as much about volunteer engagement by taking a business seminar if I, yes. if I really approach it from that mindset of relationship management, people support, people engagement. Um, the other thing that I would say is if, if you keep your eyes open, metaphorically and physically, um, leaders often rise up. Subject matter experts become apparent. Um, so working with those individuals to develop training, to identify, even if it, they you know, aren't able to help identify training, but identify what needs there are to be trained about. You know, oh, the, what are the opportunities on this team? What are the opportunities for this program? Um, people know, you know, your volunteer, if you have experienced volunteers, they know. They know probably better than you do. Yeah. I know mine know better than I do. So listening and, and observing and understanding and going to those people. Um, and then just, you know, doing the research. The, the thing I love most about our field is interactions just like this. Um, where we can learn from each other. And I, I take every opportunity to talk to other leaders in the field, especially those who work with different organizations or come from different backgrounds, because I can always gain something new. I, even if it's just a new perspective, even if it's not something I can't apply today, doesn't mean that it's not gonna be useful down the road. And so, um, 
even if you are uh, someone who doesn't like to talk to people, even if you are someone who, um, you know, isn't, isn't proactive in relationships and reaching out and learning and growing, um, even just listening and, and paying attention and reading things on social media, reading books, reading things on news sites, um, joining a community um, like, a, like an you know, organization of volunteer administrators or um, something along those lines that does networking and presentations, that will help you grow. And that'll yes. help your team grow. And, and, and it's just, it, it works very well to be successful. I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell us about winning the Alive Impact Award. Was it one of those moments where you remember where you were and exactly what you were doing? <laughs> or just even like, how, like, tell us about that experience, even from finding out that you were even nominated to begin with. Um, it, it was completely unexpected. Um, I, I was nominated, um, uh, by someone I serve on a board with, um, for the Georgia Association of Volunteer Administration. Um, she's actually the president of our board, Michelle. And, um, I was completely caught off guard, uh, that I, that she was going to nominate me until she's like, Hey, I need to know this information. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> what do you need to know this information for? Yeah. And she's like, well, I know you do this stuff professionally, but I need to know a little bit about like your day job as well. Um, and, uh, and so I was, I was very surprised, very flattered. And, you know, with, with, you know, just being nominated. And then when I attended the session that it was actually announced on, um, it was, it was just, you know, it was surreal. Um, it was, it was exciting. It, um, it was just um again it was unexpected and to me it uh, while I you know I'm, I'm obviously very proud that I you know what won that award it's just a reflection on all of the people that have supported me all of the volunteers that have let me learn and make mistakes and then help me fix my mistakes and help me grow and uh you know I it it just shows that with some dedication, being intentional, and really being focused on on people, um, you can do anything with it. So it it was an amazing experience. Um, I you know I have joined a group of really amazing people who are past winners. Um, I, I believe I'm on the judging panel for this this coming up year, so I'm excited about that because you know just like you said at the beginning of this, it's really neat to kind of learn about people that way. Um, you know, and to, to hear the stories and the great work that's being done. So, you know, all around, it's been, it's been really exciting. Was there like an organization wide celebration for you? Was there a parade in the hometown? <laughs> uh, no, there wasn't any of that. There was a little write up in a local newspaper, which was kind of neat. Oh, uh, wasn't a big story. So I didn't make it to CNN or anything like that. <laughs> news or anything. Um, but no, uh, what the, the way I, I really tried to give back an honor is, is it did come with a little bit um, from better impact of prize money to you go towards professional development. And um, I was able to take that money and use that to bring speakers in that I wanted to hear from and learn from to an entire audience of people. Um, and so I was able to give back to a lot of the people, you know, my fellow, oh, you know, it, 
volunteer engagers across the state of Georgia. We were able to bring people in, you know, people with the Red Cross to, to listen to this speaker and to learn from this speaker. And to me, you know, that was the best part. And so that's how we celebrated. We celebrated by learning and growing and coming together. And there's no better celebration than that. I love it. I love it. You just sparked an idea that I have. Um, well, you just sparked an idea for what we start to promote this year for people to start um, nominating, to have a sit down with those who have won and talk about it in order to help promote, to get other people to nominate and the importance yeah. of it. Even if you have to nominate yourself um, to think highly enough of oneself to know that the work that you're doing is worthy because not everybody knows what everybody does. To your point, she had to be like, hey, uh, do, you know, and not everybody has that. Not everybody has right. that. Um, I was watching this, um, this amazing TED Talk, the difference between a mentor and a sponsor, right? There's not always somebody that has the sponsor in the room speaking on the behalf of the person trying to get them to the next level. So thank you for that idea. Y'all heard it here first. It That's could a great be idea. Happening. Let me know. I'll, I'll sign up and join that for sure. <laughs> awesome. It's recorded. <laughs> yep. Um, and then the last question that I wanted to ask you was, what has been the most outlandish volunteer request that you've ever received? And how did you go about uh, responding and fulfilling or not fulfilling it? <laughs> we, we've had some interesting ones um, with with responding to disasters, our, our volunteers get extremely creative <laughs> on how they can support the, their communities that are affected by disaster. Um, I, you know, I've seen requests for, you know, thousand dollar worth of jackets to hand out expensive jackets. I've seen, you know, we've seen requests for, you know, hey, we, we really need to stay in this nicer hotel because it's closer and we'll be able to serve clients better if we sleep better, uh, which is true. I mean, there's some truth to that. Um, They're not wrong. <laughs> really, really, all, you know, all sorts of, of um, requests, you know, that we've gotten. But I, I, the most interesting request that I think that I've ever received um, was a, a volunteer, and, and it's interesting probably for a, you know, not normal reason, or, you know, probably an off-the-wall reason, was a, a volunteer really wanted to be in a leadership role. And, okay. Um, and they were more than qualified for it, and they had the skills, they had the training, they had the experience, and the reason the request was so interesting is because they had just never been given the opportunity mm. but they had the skills and um I don't think aside from that situation that I've ever seen anyone advocate so hardly for themselves um so strongly and you know uh, I, I looked at them, I looked at their experience and their profile, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is a no-brainer. But they kept explaining, this is the experience I have, and I've done this, and this is where I come in as a benefit. Um, and 
Um, obviously, yes, they, we put them in that leadership role and they excelled in it and they've since moved to a higher, higher leadership roles. Um, but it was interesting because for someone to feel the need to advocate that much means someone else missed an opportunity on their behalf. And, uh, and so that, you know, I, I tell that story, it's something that sits with me regularly um, because, um, I try to keep it con- in, in the front of my conscience to make sure that I'm not missing an opportunity with someone that I'm listening and paying attention and supporting and giving opportunities and growth and development and everything else. And so, um, to me, it was very, you know, um, opening to the missteps that we can all make as leaders and um, the more we can be aware of it, the better experience is going to be for everyone. I love it. And there's no better way to end. I thought that that was the perfect, perfect way to wrap this up. So Tim, can you tell everybody how can they reach you if they want to contact you, get in touch with you? How can they do that? So the, uh, the easiest way to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn. You know, that's where we do so much. Um, LinkedIn slash IN slash Tim Suda, T-I-M-S-U-D-A. Um, there, there are only a few other Tim Sudas on the planet. It's not a common name. Uh, it's, well, you're lucky because there's like a thousand Nicole Smith. Right. So, <laughs> right. so uh, you know, there, there's like five of us, I think. So as long as you see the word volunteer near it, you can Google me and, you know, you'll probably find me pretty easily. <laughs> well, Thank you so much. Thanks for spending your morning with me. Thanks for getting up early. Um, This has been nothing but a pleasure. And for those of you all who tuned back in and watched the whole thing, you're still here. Thanks for hanging in there. Um, I really appreciate you coming back to, to learn and laugh. And that's my favorite thing is like listening, learning, and laughing because um, those three, I think go very, very well hand in hand. So Thank you for coming back and watching this episode of From the Suggestion Box. I hope you return next time. Until then, stay safe and stay strong. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.